Welcome to series two of the How to Grow Our Parents podcast. I'm your host, Emily Anna, and I'm a mum, doula, and founder of the Mindful Birth Group. In series two of the podcast, we talk to experts who contribute to our antenatal, hypnobirthing, and postnatal course content and online parent hub. We aim to equip every parent with vital information that we know will positively impact their experience. We'll start each episode by asking our guests, why is it so important that parents know about this? We'll then dive into the key things that you need to know and share where you can find out more in-depth information to help you start your parenting journey on the front foot. I hope you'll enjoy listening to this episode. Please don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast to help us reach more expectant parents with our supportive, inclusive and impartial content. Today's episode is predominantly aimed at birth professionals. However, we of course welcome anyone to listen. It comes with a listen with self-care label because we will be discussing baby and infant loss. Paula Abramson is from Bereavement Training International, a baby and infant loss training consultancy. Paula also works with some amazing charities, including the wonderful Teddy's Wish. All of the Mindful Birth Group teaching team attend a workshop with Paula to ensure they are equipped to support people who have experienced baby or infant loss, and we are going to come on to why that is so important. A recent report published by charities Tommy's and Sam's called Saving Babies Lives 2023 found that in 2021, 13 babies a day were still born or died during the first 28 days of life. This is classified as a neonatal death. Sadly, there has also been a 10% increase in the number of stillbirths in recent years too. So it is incredibly important that birth professionals are equipped to support these families appropriately. Thank you for joining me today, Paula, to talk about this really important topic. How are you? Hi, morning, Emiliana. Yeah, really grateful to be here. Very pleased to be here. Thanks. Oh, thank you. Um, so can you start off by telling us a bit about um, who you are, where you are in the world um, and the professional work that you do with both Bereavement Training International and their charities such as Teddy's Wish to? Yes, definitely. I am uh, professionally, my background is uh, I'm a counsellor and psychotherapist. Um, and for many years, I've specialised in providing support to parents when a pregnancy ends um, and when a baby dies, so for example, stillbirth or neonatal death or sudden infant death. Um, and I've done that um, working within the NHS and also within the charity sector. Um, but in more recent years, as well as um, my baby loss counselling, I've also um, started designing and delivering training sessions for midwives and nurses and doctors and any other healthcare professional who is likely to be involved in supporting parents at the time of their baby's death. And um, at the end of 2019, I um, set up Bereavement Training International, my uh, baby and infant loss training consultancy. And within that, um, I do lots of partnership work with some amazing baby loss charities, including Teddy's Wish, which is the charity that um, originally introduced you and I. Um, so Teddy's Wish uh, was set up by parents Jen and Chris 
after the tragic sudden infant death of their baby son at the age of four months. Um, we talk about sudden infant death, uh, but you may be more familiar with the phrase cot death. Um, and um, we are encouraged in, in England now um, in, in the baby loss world not to use the word cot death. So I just kind of mentioned that at the beginning um, because it was considered to be quite misleading because many of these deaths were not actually taking place in a cot. So the term that we use is sudden infant death syndrome or SIDS for short. And that is the sudden and unexpected death of a baby up to the age of 12 months. Um, and sadly, that was Jen and Chris's experience with their first child. Um, and they um, set up the charity Teddy's Wish. Um, to uh, raise money for research into the causes of sudden infant death. Uh, but they also um, provide um, fully funded bereavement counselling, and I'm one of the counsellors on their team of professional counsellors. Um, and I also kind of wear two hats with, with Teddy's Wish um, because um, they also um, fund uh, Bereavement Training International to deliver training on their behalf. Um, and as I say, they, they introduced us and really delighted that BTI have been delivering training for the Mindful Birth Group teachers um, regularly for the last year or two. Yeah, and we, we so appreciate it because it's something we hope no one will ever experience. But the reality is it, it does happen. And so we're very grateful that yourselves and these charities are doing this incredible work um, to support people through it um, and afterwards too. So, you know, it's not something that just happens in your life and then it goes away. It stays with you forever. So we find obviously supporting parents who are maybe pregnant post um, having uh, experienced a baby loss or infant death, that it's, uh, it's a whole other journey for them. That's a really good point, actually. Um maybe just to think about that for a moment, the, the pregnancy after a loss. Um, and that's the subject that um, I'm doing a lot of work around at the moment, because I think the very least um, that parents tell us they need from people supporting them at these times is that you know about their previous experience of loss. And that's the very least that, that they hope for. Um, and that because they are pregnant again, which for many people will be the case, but we also need to remember that that's not going to be the case for everybody who experiences a pregnancy loss. There won't always be a next pregnancy. But for those who do become pregnant again, they often tell us that there is a sense from people around them that there's like a communal sigh of relief, that suddenly um, people can start talking about pregnancy and babies again around them. Um, but of course, what we know from talking to bereaved parents is that they're still grieving parents and it's really important for them that the people who are supporting them and, and definitely I guess this would include your um, teachers working with them is that they don't forget the baby who has died or the pregnancy that, that ended um, you know parents are always saying to us please tell people to say our baby's name and that's a key phrase yes. and Elle particularly has an amazing book doesn't she Elle Wright on, on that exact title <laughs> asking his name and so yes. we we do we we leave space in our courses for people to be able to talk about that past experience too if they want to you know it's obviously not something we expect but it's why you know the, the personalized part of the course is so um crucial to a lot of people there was one one mum who quoted um that she was 
pregnant again in in her next pregnancy after loss. And she was at um, a, a class, I guess, similar to the mindful birth group classes. And she's just said that she sat there and she said all of the other expectant mums were talking about which prams to buy and, and which cots to get. And she said, and I just sat there in my head. I was just screaming. I'm not really interested in any of this. I just want my baby to be born alive. And that, you know, that sense of kind of isolation and a feeling almost for these mums. And I guess I am specifically talking about mums here is that somehow they feel that people around them, especially other pregnant women, don't really want to hear their story of loss as if it's almost could be contagious. And so I think it's important for your teachers to think about that if they are aware that they have a woman in in the group who has experienced a previous loss, that she might be feeling quite isolated within that group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and reaching out to them separately and and acknowledging that um, if they want to. And you know, a private course is always an option too um, if people don't feel that that's the right space for them. But obviously, we also want to make people really welcome in those group scenarios too for, for lots mm-hmm. of other reasons. So it's just really, I think, as a parent, it's just considering what's the best for you. Um, and that's okay. Like, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to do things in a certain order throughout your pregnancy and tick the list, the tick the boxes. Yeah, um, It's really considering that what's going to make me feel safe and, and good in this moment. Yeah, definitely. What kind of support is available to parents kind of in the short term if they do experience um, a baby loss? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, and um, it really, I guess the short answer is it depends on where you are located. So many um, NHS hospitals in fact, I would say hopefully most NHS maternity units have a specialist bereavement midwife. Um, and so that would be the first point of contact. The bereavement midwife should definitely be in touch um, or involved in the care and the follow-up care after um, baby loss. And the bereavement midwife is often able to provide that personalised support herself But if she isn't, she will certainly be able to signpost parents to local or national support organisations. And a lot of that support comes, um, well, from the charity sector, but more now also from within the NHS as well. So in the last couple of years, um, we've seen perinatal mental health teams being formed across the country. And many of those perinatal mental health teams will have specialist therapists that can provide support to the parents that we're talking about today. Um, sometimes uh, there might be a, it might be referred to as a maternal mental health team and other times perinatal mental health. And again, it depends on where you are in the country, but increasingly there should be one of these teams um, with expert therapists to be able to provide this type of support from within the NHS. So that's really encouraging. But there's also um, a huge amount of support within the baby loss charity sector. So, you know, as I said, just before Teddy's wish, um, we have a team of four or five professional counsellors, all experienced in baby loss. Um, and some bereavement midwives will refer um, parents to Teddy's wish um, and other charities uh, who provide similar services. Um so, yeah, I guess between the bereavement midwife, 
and the mental health teams and the huge amount of support that's available within the charity sector. And I think in the last few years, we've realised that this support doesn't need to be given in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, no choice in in the last few years but to offer everything online and um, and that is a different type of experience um, for example providing one-to-one bereavement counseling online but it also means that we can reach out to people from across the country um, so it makes it much more accessible that's fantastic that it's increasing and the teams are being invested in yeah I think it's also important to to recognize um that every single parent who goes through this experience of baby loss will need something very different. There is no blueprint that I can say, you know, if you do it this way, then you're doing it really well. And if you're doing it that way, you're not doing it well. It it really is such an individualized process, for want of a better word. And, And that is important to recognize that for some people, they may want to access Um, professional support almost immediately and for others the thought of going to see a counsellor very soon after their loss it is just going to be almost impossible so it is important to recognize that as well there isn't a right time or a wrong time Um, and each each parent will want something very different sometimes they'll want to um, access support together as a couple and sometimes they won't um, and what they need and what they want in terms of emotional support would also change from day to day. And so, you know, providing this type of support, we're constantly checking in with our clients to to make sure that we're giving them what they need at that time. And so if someone was thinking they didn't necessarily want to access that support straight away, what about longer term? Um, what, what's available to people if, you know, after a few months they, they find they're they really do need that support can they go to the same places or yeah absolutely in fact I would say that on average if there is such a thing as an average having said what I've just said um you know we would probably recommend um a few months um passes before you start to engage in in professional support um because in those very very early days um you know sometimes you just need to to be with with your kind of raw grief as it were Um, and it may be sometimes too soon to start um, a therapeutic intervention so I I would say the optimum time to consider starting professional bereavement support would be somewhere around that kind of three to four months. I think as um, you know teachers as any birth professionals listening to that to this that can be a really helpful thing to know because if you do have a client that has really sadly lost their baby, then know what's available, then actually giving them time is, is quite key there. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, there are different levels of support. So there are many of the baby loss charities, um, like SANS, for example, and I think most people are familiar with the stillbirth and neonatal death charity SANS, um, they, like a lot of the charities, have helplines. So, you know, if families need if parents need support but they're not yet ready to commit to a regular kind of counseling intervention then making them aware of the different helplines and there will be different charities that um, specialize in different types of loss so for Teddy's Wish um, their charity was set up after you know the tragic loss of their baby through SIDS but they do Teddy's Wish support families um, 
who've experienced a stillbirth, neonatal death or sudden infant death. But there will be other organisations, um, specialist organisations that will support parents who've had an ectopic pregnancy. There's the Ectopic Pregnancy Trust. They're a wonderful charity. Uh, the Miscarriage Association. So there and, and lots of other very specific organisations um, and charities. Um, and a lot of them have helplines. So you don't need to commit to a regular um support you can just if you you know if, if parents need it they can just call that helpline some of them have forums even for people who aren't yet ready to speak to someone there'll be um facebook forums that are regulated and 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 they can use that type of support as well so there's a whole range there's the twins trust um they have an amazing bereavement um support section of their charity very specifically for parents who've experienced the loss of a twin so, yeah, a, hu- a huge range of organisations, I think well over 140 baby loss mm-hmm. charities, and, and many of them will be quite generic, but most of them will specialise in, in their own um, type of baby loss, for want of a better phrase. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And is there a directory of want of a better word as well to go to if if someone was perhaps not even themselves experiencing but knows someone is experiencing wants to go and see yeah. what which the one that comes to mind immediately is is a charity a baby loss charity it's called our sam and and they have spent the last couple of years putting together a really good they call it the sos baby loss directory i think um and that's really helpful if you, you i can share that link with you because you just kind of click on the link and and say where you are geographically and all of the um, organisations um, nearby to you or nationally will, or, or specifically to because of your cause of loss, they will all just pop up on the screen in front of you. So that's that's a really good directory that I can recommend. Yeah, we'll put that on the show notes. For anyone listening to this, that will be a really helpful place um, for them to go. Thank you. Um, and what about friends and family? How can they help? How can that? How can friends and family help? That's also a really good question. I think, um, you know, and we, I've heard so many stories over the years that I've been working with with bereaved parents. Um, it's really difficult um, for friends and family to know what to do, and maybe more specifically, what to say. Um, I've heard stories over the years from bereaved parents that they've said to me, you know, the people that I really expected to be there for me have almost like run for the hills and I've not seen or heard from them. And actually the people that have rallied around are people that I wouldn't necessarily have expected to. Um, And, you know, situations that I've heard, you know, people have crossed over the road to avoid having to make eye contact with me or they've seen me in a supermarket and they've rushed along to the next aisle so that they don't actually have to come face to face with me because I think culturally we're not we're not good talking about death and we're particularly not good talking about the death of a baby or a child Um, and so it kind of becomes a bit like the elephant in the room so I guess my advice to friends and family He's just try to acknowledge what's happened. Don't try. I mean, I probably can say more things not to do, to be honest. So don't say things, for example, like, well, at least you didn't really have a chance to get to know your baby or at least, you know, you can get pregnant. Um, The at least sentences are an absolute 
no-no when you're talking to bereaved parents. Um, or, you know, in the case of a twin that's died, well, at least you've still got your other twin, as if somehow that makes up for the death of one of your children. Um, so try not to reassure. Try not to say things like, I know how you feel, even if, sadly, you've been through a very similar experience. As I said before, this type of loss is a very unique experience. And even if you've had a similar experience, you don't know how that person feels. So you might say, I can't imagine how you must be feeling, or I can only imagine how you must be feeling, but don't say, I know how you feel. And don't say, at least. Um, Don't say things like, it wasn't meant to be. All of these phrases that I probably don't really need to say on a podcast like this, but um, I've said it anyway. No, Um, because unless you've been through it yourself, you just don't know sometimes. I I think one of the the quotes that I often hear from bereaved parents is, I've joined this club that nobody wants to be a member of. And, and they begin to realize when they, when they're ready to look for support across all of these different forums, that it's a very big club. Um, and, um, I guess in terms of going back to your question about what friends and family can do is find a way to acknowledge how terrible this is. And just, I'm, I'm so sorry that this has happened to you. I can't imagine how you must be feeling right now. Um, what can I do to help you? How can I support you? And you need to ask those questions on a fairly regular basis because, again, what bereaved parents need from you today will be something very different uh, from what they needed from you yesterday, for example. Um, But on the whole, parents tell us that they want you to actually talk about their baby um, because often we think, oh, we don't want to risk upsetting them. So we won't mention the baby. And, and we kind of talk about everything else other than this huge thing that's just happened to them. You know, th- the most traumatic experience they've ever been through. And parents say, look, the worst thing has already happened. Our baby has, has died. So whatever you say is, is unlikely to make us feel any worse. But by not talking about our baby, no matter how early that loss may have been, by not talking about a baby, we find that really upsetting. Um, we want you to acknowledge that our baby did exist. So, yeah, I guess, you know, really, as I said, I can talk more about the things not to say, but in terms, don't don't be afraid to, to talk about what happened um, and not make any assumptions and just, you know, let parents know that you are there for them, that you're alongside them. Um, and, and, par- and people will know whether that's... Mm-hmm. I was going to say genuine or sincere, because we often, again, we often say things that that when we're trying to support people after a bereavement, like, is there anything I can do? Let me know what I can do. But actually saying, saying it in a way that parents just know you genuinely want to be there for them. You know, that kind of how are you question. In our society, we we generally, we say, hi, how are you? And have lots of discussions in, in our training sessions about questions like that, because it's Although it's a question, it's not really a question. It's more of a kind of greeting. How are you? Uh, but I always say when I'm teaching midwives and other healthcare professionals, when you're talking to a bereaved parent, if you ask the how are you question, you need to make sure of two things. You firstly need to be sure that you genuinely want to know the answer. And then you need to make sure that you've got time to listen. And I guess that that is the same advice that I would give to friends or family as well. I mean, 
I couldn't recommend your workshops and um, the support you give to birth professionals and health professionals more because honestly it feels very empowering to be to feel that okay I feel comfortable that I could actually say how are you and and listen um, and genuinely mean it because I'm not scared to, to ask that question. Your workshops, uh, you know, are much much longer than a twenty minute podcast, um, but I'm sure people will take so much just from this um, this short time that we've had together. I hope so. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to join you today, and I hope that it's helpful for people listening. And uh, look forward to meeting some more of your teachers on our online training. We've got another session coming up. Yeah. And um, you approach a very difficult topic so brilliantly um, and with ease. So thank you. Pleasure. Thank you, Emiliana. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, I would so appreciate it if you would spend a moment rating and reviewing it. And don't forget to follow or subscribe to the show to keep up to date with future episodes too.